Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Ashes to Awesome podcast, Rising in Recovery, a podcast providing light, hope, and understanding about addiction and mental health to those living within that life and the people who love them. This episode is brought to you by Together We Can, where Canada recovers from addiction. That's TWCRecoveryLife.org. Hey, listeners. So I am sitting in studio with Justin Bryan. He is the author of a new book called Chasing Shadows, Fighting the Monster Within. Uh, he's come into the studio today to tell us his story and, and tell us about his book and what's going on in his life. So how you doing today, Brian? Justin? Jesus, you got two first names. That's tough. <laughs> I, got, I actually have four first names, but I'm not going to repeat them. Okay, well, now there's a mystery for the masses, I guess. It's, it is a mystery. Uh, you buy my book and then email me and I'll tell you. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Email me with what's on page 132. Uh, um, I'm doing well. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Yeah. Busy recording the schedule today, so here we are. Um, I'd like to get into the book, but before we get into the book, why don't we talk a little bit about your background and how you got to the place where you're writing a book in the first place? Right? So, um, with recovery, it, it's generally speaking a pretty easy thing to do because that's what you do. You tell a story. So why don't you start there and we'll see how things play out. <laughs> I wish recovery was easy. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Touche. Touche. Yeah. It was funny because I actually just uh, posted on a, a on a piece of content on Instagram. It's, I said, you know, the hardest part of addiction isn't quitting. The hardest part of addiction is living in sobriety. It's learning to live in sobriety. And that was that was essentially the hardest part. You know, I was it took me six years of actively trying to quit, you know, actively really? seeking help. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Going in and out wow. of rehab. But I can now that I'm I'm through it and I've done like life coaching courses, I've done counseling, rehab, all that kind of stuff, I can look back and I can see where it kind of started. So growing up I, uh, I had a lot of insecurities, you know, I had low self-esteem, low self-worth, low self-confidence to where I try to act out and always be the funny man, you know, which I had no, I had no reason to have those, those issues, right? Those insecurities, but I always tried to act out, tried to be the funny man. So a lot of people made fun of me, but not, not to hurt me. It's just my friend group, right? Like they weren't being mean about it. Um, but I started to take it to heart and I started to make fun of myself. So I started to, whenever... I did something, you know, dumb, made a dumb decision. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah, guys, I did that. Just to get a laugh out of them, right? Just to okay. make, so I can make them laugh. Yeah. And I took those insecurities through, you know, junior high into high school. And I didn't drink much in high school. You know, it wasn't really for me. I was more you into athletics. The first time you did it? First time I drank? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was at a New Year's party <laughs> um, in grade okay. 10. Okay. Grade yeah. 10 New Year's party. And, uh. My dad came up to check on me and I, was, I came to talk to him pretending I wasn't drunk. And I'm spitting every, <laughs> every, yeah, every 15 seconds. Here's his, uh, here's his kid just and then talking yeah. to him and then spit and then talk to him and then spit again. And yeah. <laughs> he's just like, okay, just go back into your party. Right. He wasn't yeah. upset or anything. Cause I didn't drink much. You know, I didn't drink much in high school. It wasn't really for me. You know, yeah. do you remember yeah, how I, you feel that first time? Uh, it just made me, you know, it, it kind of just made me feel whatever, just like a little happier version of myself because I always try to put on that mask and be a happy version, right? Yep. Back then, yep. I didn't 
I didn't know I was struggling, but yeah, of course. Yeah, so I was so doing... you're already answering my next question, which is, were you self-aware enough to know that these things were going on in your head, but not at that age? No, see, I, I wasn't self-aware, but I knew that I was looking for attention, right? And okay. I was I was acting this way for a reason, but I didn't understand the why. So when I got out of high school, I moved away to play uh, junior hockey, and that's when I really started to find alcohol, and okay. I started to realize what it was giving me. It was giving me self-esteem, self-worth, self-confidence. It made me happy, brought me out of my shell, kind of, you know, because I, I was battling like social anxiety as well. Okay. But what I didn't realize everything it was giving me was fake, but everything it started to take from me was, was very real. Now, by the time I'm 21 years old, oh, I, like I was that. a, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was a full blown alcoholic, basically drinking yeah. almost every day, you know, going to work hungover. Now I moved to Vancouver after hockey and I started bartending downtown and, you know, I was, that's when I started to drink every single night, every yeah. single night I would be out at the bar, you know, by myself, you know, cause I got off at two. So I would close it up by two fifteen, and I'd go out and hammer as many shots back as I could pretending. Yeah. Going and seeing all the bartenders that I knew, not with anybody though. I'd go by myself. Right. And just hoping like they don't, they don't know what I'm doing, do they? Right. But then I would have an algorithm of how many drinks I would have. Like I'd have okay. like get to the bar, crush two doubles or triples to bring me, you know, give me some confidence to bring me out of my shell. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, I'd, okay. Okay. Well, I'm now, now I'm going to go talk to that girl. Okay. I'll have a couple more shots. Now I'm going to talk to that or now I'm going to go on the dance floor. Right. Yeah. So I have more drinks, more drinks to build up that confidence. Yeah. And, um, at 24 years old is when I graduated. I graduated from alcohol abuse to drug abuse. And now for a quick PSA brought to you by Revolution Recovery, helping men recover and become their best selves through support and treatment. They've been there and they understand. Hi listeners, this is Lena. I'm part of the Ashes to Awesome team and co-hosted on episodes 76 and 67. Do you carry Narcan, also known as Naloxone? If not, perhaps you should. The kits are not only compact and easy to use, they are free at all harm reduction centers and a lot of pharmacies. By carrying one of these kits, you could save the life of somebody who loves and that is loved. I get that most of you never plan on being around opioid use, but there's no telling when it could be around you. I can't think of a good reason not to have it, and if you're not sure where to find it for free, Send us an email at ashes to awesome podcast at gmail.com legwork for you and find it for free in your area. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Abuse. Oh, yeah. So what was, uh, what was the drug then? It was cocaine. I did cocaine for the very first time at 24 years old. And... So I will repeat my first question. How did that make you feel? Well, this is what happened. I didn't remember the night. And so I phoned up my buddy and said, what happened? And he told me. And I was like, holy cow. Okay. Because... You know, I, I wasn't against drugs. I just was against myself doing them. So he told me what happened. And all of a sudden he said something to me, which you probably shouldn't say to a person with my mindset. He said, man, you were funny last night. Right then and there it clicked for me. I have alcohol for confidence. I have drugs to be funny. I got Michael's special juice from Space Jam. You know, one shot of this, one shot of that. And I'm super Justin. And that took me down the path of uh, drug use and alcohol use. So I would start to, you know, come home from work, bartending, get home at 3 a.m. 
I phone up, dial up a bottle, and they drop off both. Right? So, I ended up leaving Vancouver, coming back home to Salmon Arm and managing a nightclub. And there's two things when I was 24 that really stand out for me in my life. One was um, doing the drugs. Right? And then what I said, though... <laughs> Before I left Vancouver, I remember walking down the Camby Street Bridge one time and uh, a bartender earlier that night said, Justin, do you think you drink too much? And I said, no way. There's no way I drink too much. I'm young and I like to have fun. And I shrugged him off. But that night walking across Camby Street Bridge in Vancouver, go home, that thought ran through my head. And I was like, there's no way. I'm young. I like to have fun. I'm in this big, beautiful city and I'm a bartender. So I took a couple more steps and a couple more steps and then a uh, thought rings through my head again. And it says, Justin, are you an alcoholic? And that's when I said this word for word. There's no way I'm an alcoholic. I go to work. I pay my bills. I'm not a low life and I'm too smart. I'm too smart to be an alcoholic, right? So then I ended up moving back home. And when I'm managing the nightclub, I had to get a ride home because I lost my license for drinking and driving. And on the way home, me and my buddy started talking about the topic of depression. And so when I looked at him and I said, you know what, man? Depression is for the weak. Depression is an excuse. You got to man up. You got to go to work and you got to pay your bills. Substance abuse and my mental health. But at 24 years old, I said, I'm too smart to be an alcoholic. And depression is for the weak. Now, that just put me down a path of... You know, destruction. I kept using. I kept moving around. You know, I couldn't keep a job. I was getting fired, but I was I was a <laughs> I was a really good bartender. Like when I was you, fast. When you were there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I was fast, I'd go in and I they could put me by myself on the first night. But I was very fortunate that I'm a, I was a very bright kid growing up, so I could learn everything really quick, and they could trust me by myself. And so I'd always move up really quick, and I'd always get good shifts. But that would mean I always made good money to spend. So living paycheck to paycheck, you know, night to night off of off tip money, getting drugs, getting alcohol, repeat, 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 repeat. It's like living in Groundhog Day, the movie with Bill Murray, you know, the same thing. It's the same thing, you know. And then in my, I didn't realize that like, I was I was going through depression, like hardcore depression. Like I needed alcohol i needed drugs to feel better about myself so at what point did you understand that are we there yet are you getting to that oh, i'm not there yet okay so okay okay yeah. so finally you know i got in trouble with some some people i shouldn't have and i ended up moving back home and 28 years old i finally admitted to myself hey justin you uh <laughs> you abuse substances and justin you know what you're, you're depressed so 28 years old i finally asked for help and I didn't realize that 28 years old, that's me starting my suicidal thoughts for six straight years. Yeah, it was, it was, it got bad. So I met this girl and we dated for a little bit on and off. I was, I was a mess. She ended up leaving, um, because I was, you know, I was using, using, um, I wasn't using drugs as much, kind of sneaking behind her back, definitely drinking too much. So we ended up breaking up. You know, and then we, we kept in touch. And then all of a sudden I got a phone call and she said, Justin, I'm pregnant. Yeah. So we got, we got back together. She's like, Justin, you, you don't have to be in this kid's life, but I'm keeping it. I'm like, oh, of course I want to be in the kid's life. Right. 
So we get back together. I ended up crashing a vehicle. So right then and there, I'm like, I need to go to rehab. So 29, I went to rehab for the very first time. And I went to Maple Ridge Treatment Center down by Vancouver. And when I was there, you know, I went to all my classes, living in a group home of 60 men, right? No, it, it's One tough. One six or six zero, sorry. Six zero. Oh, geez. That's now, a, you're living a in a place yeah. where these men, whether they want to be there or they're court-ordered to be there, got all their coping mechanisms taken away and says, go live together and figure out your shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy. How'd that go, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, it was tough. I made some good friends, though, right? And in rehab, that's where I felt normal. The first time I felt normal. I wasn't the black sheep. We all had problems. They were just me- as messed up as I am. They they do stupid shit. I do stupid shit. <laughs> like, I felt good there. But I worked out twice a day, ate a lot of food, gained some weight. And when I got out, the first thing I said was, I'm not done drinking forever. Well, one month later, we have our kid. Two months later, I start hitting the bottle. Six months later, my girlfriend had to make the toughest decision of her life and leave me at my lowest point. And I don't blame her. I was in no shape to have a kid around. So then I just went straight down. I, not only that, I was so off was of it, work. So was it drinking and the drugs again? Or was it? Mostly drinking. I couldn't afford to do both. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Sometimes, no, but I would do both. Like not, not as much because I couldn't afford it. When I was in Vancouver, it was, so I could do it every day, right? But when I first was in Vancouver, you know, I could get a little bit of it and it would work. By this time, I'm building up a tolerance. Right? So... But I always made sure, you know, I paid, I paid my child support. He always had, I always paid into his education fund, even though I was going through, like, he always had a roof over his head, always had food on the table. So I'm I'm lucky that I did that because it didn't afford for me to do that kind of stuff. But I still got, found ways to drink, right? Um, You know, as an addict, I I could find ways to have alcohol. (laughs) But by that time, I wasn't drinking much during the week, right? I was working at a mill, um, but I would, once I got drunk, I black out easy. Now, I don't know if it's from having some concussions or from being an experienced drinker, but I black out super easy. And then all of a sudden I would disappear. I would, I wouldn't be coherent. I'd black out for two, sometimes three days. I would lose really? myself. Yeah, it was nuts. Like, wow. That's I would, case, eh? Jeez. Yeah. yeah, I would actually text people i would pick up more alcohol but i don't remember doing it like it was really crazy my mom would i was living underneath my mom and she'd come down and be like yeah just two days later like and i just missed work so i had to take a leave of absence from work and you know it got it got pretty bad there and um you know i kept asking for help but it just it wasn't working until finally i was like okay justin you know what you need to go back to rehab because if you don't, your son is going to grow up without a father. Well, without his biological father, anyways. So I went back to rehab, and I went back to a rehab center in Kelowna, and I did awesome there. You know, I went to all my classes, did all my counseling. I felt awesome, right? Um, I spoke at both times after um, at graduation, and that's actually in that one. I actually told everybody, I'm like, I'm going to be a motivational speaker. Probably the first promise I've ever kept. <laughs> 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 uh, we gotta start somewhere right? yeah yeah because how many times oh yeah don't worry i'm gonna quit i'm gonna quit i'll quit tomorrow i'll quit monday um but uh i got out all of a sudden pink cloud hit 
after two months of being sober, uh, went back to drinking again. And all of a sudden, one day, I found myself in my basement suite in the dark because I had shades up. I had tinfoil up. Looking at, looking around at my kids' toys, my kids' picture, thinking, holy cow, Justin, you have two choices. You either end it or you go get better. So on that day, January 4th, 2019, I hospitalized myself with suicidality and alcoholism and finally got the help that I needed. And I've been sober ever since. I've got life four and a half years now. I've got some life, three life coaching courses, a speaking course, my mental health first aid now. And can you, can you take me back to the hospital though? Like that, that process of hospitalizing yourself? I'm, I'm just curious about that because it's not something you hear of. Well, it's something we haven't heard on the show yet. Well, I was fortunate. I didn't have to stay. For, I didn't stay. I stayed for about the day. Um, I just went to the local one. I, fi- I think the biggest part for me was getting it out. So I, I, I finally phoned my mom and said, Mom, you need to take me to the hospital. Because I got to the point where I actually became an organ donor. Got milk thistle for my liver and kidney flush because I was preparing my body to die. Like I, re- I remember walking into the DMV where you, you become an organ donor and like thinking, okay, well, I might as well donate my body but get it get it healthy enough and the lady's looking at me she's like oh i'm so proud of you for you know it takes a big man or it takes for to donate and to save other people's lives i'm just sick in there like yeah it's because i want to kill myself (laughs) and so i knew that mom she needed to take me to the hospital so she took me to the hospital and i said i'm like listen if i'm going to continue to feel like this i don't want to live and I'm going to do something about it. I have a plan. And there were a couple times where, you know, I woke up and my wrists were cut. And there's a knife in my bed and blood on the sheets. And I didn't remember doing it. I remember, I remember the feeling before I passed out, though, before I blacked out. But I blacked out so easy, man. Like, it was, I wouldn't remember a lot of the time. Uh, she didn't know about the the knife part, and um, until like a lot of people didn't know. Like I actually started to wear makeup on my wrists, and uh, I wore a lot of these wristbands, and I was embarrassed. Right? All right. So you go to the hospital. Um, they release you. What happens from there? What like? I, I want to know what worked. What kept you sober? What? Uh... Well, what stuck that time, I should say. So I don't know what keeps us over. Like you, but, so. you know, there's a lot. There's a lot. It was, I knew my potential. I, I have always known my potential. And that was one of the things that almost tore me down. Is the guilt and shame you get from using because you know you're better than that. But I knew that I could be a good dad. A great dad. I knew I could be a successful person. I knew I was better than the decisions I was making. So one of my biggest things is I talk about is find your why, base your decisions around that why, and then you figure out the how. So I made my son my why. And a lot of people are going to tell you you have to do it for yourself. Well, guess what? I know a lot of guys in rehab that couldn't, but they found a why. And a lot of their whys was their kids. Like how many times I've been... Go to their room and be like, I'm just talking on the phone to my kids. But it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, find a why, grab a hold of it, and take it with you everywhere. Because here's the thing about if you make someone else your why, 
it still comes back on you. Like I got better for my son. I got better for me. Right. So you, you got to find, you got to find a motivator, a driver that's going to keep you doing the things that you should be doing, right. Pick you up when you fall down and not force you, but encourage you to, to keep going, yeah. keep your feet on the ground. Your only support, whatever that form is, whatever, that, whatever form it comes in. And besides that, I, I had to make a commitment. I started to make a commitment to taking my medication. I made a commitment to going to all my counseling appointments, whether I didn't like it, whether I was uncomfortable, didn't matter. I would make a commitment to that. I started journaling. Were you a 12-stepper or nope. something different? No. Okay. Uh, was there a specific methodology that you went with or a specific route that you went with that way, or like smart recovery or, or whatever? Or did you, you just kind of stuck to your own plan? Right? And I, uh, we're a certain, yeah. on this show, we support everything that works for you. Yeah. So I, I don't say that with any sort of no hidden agenda right yeah no you know what i i, I kind of stuck to my own agenda i went to eating healthier i went to journaling i went to gratitude i went to listening to positive podcasts now listening to positive podcasts of guys like me yep. who admit to being vulnerable and to what happened to them really helped me out yeah it just made me yeah. feel like i'm not alone right, right. there's right. all these guys that admit to they, no, they were admitting to infidelity, but I'm like listening to these guys. They talk about it, and I'm like, well, holy cow, these guys can talk about it. These guys can make a change. Well, why can't I make a change? Yeah, yeah. But it's up to me to make that change. Fair enough. So it was it was counseling, medication. It was gratitude, journaling, exercise, um, mindfulness, um, talking about it when I felt down. And sometimes yeah. it was just good old hard discipline. Yeah, yeah. Remembering where I came from, remembering where I'm going. Yeah, remember where you don't want to go. That's remember where I don't want to go. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fast forward the tape is you know they say in the rooms there anyway. But um, the counseling portion now. Now you know, we have Wednesdays with Ryan, who and I know you know of him. I don't think the two of you are connected personally yet, or, or at least know each other yet. Uh, Ryan Bathgate. He's our, kind of, uh, kind of talked to a little briefly. Okay, yeah, he's, he's our Kaleidoscope Wednesday, and he is, I mean, he's a therapist, so of course he's a big proponent, but as I've gotten to know the community, especially out in your part of the world more and more, um, you know, we're in Calgary here, but um, the, the therapy aspect of recovery is not something that I was ever really behind, not not that I had anything against it, just that, I, you know, I don't need that, right, that, that's for somebody else, Yeah. I and I feel now, and of course, I have Ryan, who I speak to every week, you know, for an hour live, who I speak to every single day, day in and day out. So I'm kind of a bonus that way. I've got some free, you know, therapy from a guy with, you know, charisma and passion and, and wisdom. That's, that's kind of remarkable. Um, but I've also got the show where I talk recovery all the time, I, all day, every day, right? I mean, we're doing six episodes a week. I'm, <laughs> my life is full of recovery, right? Yeah. So that's kind of my therapy in, in a sense. How integral is the therapy to your recovery? If you know your sobriety, I should say, if you don't want to, if you don't like the term recovery, if it matters. Um, well, you know what? I, I did, I've been to 45 um, addiction appointments, okay. Um, 19 psychologists, 10 psychiatrists. I, I didn't go to, I stopped my appointments probably about a year and a half after they got, right. they got a little longer apart. I knew I didn't need to go to an addictions counselor anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was cool. That was one of the cool feelings is when she looked at me and she said, Justin, you did it. 
Nice. You did this. She's yeah. like, you did this. And that felt really good. Okay. And then, you know, I kind of went on my own and, and then all of a sudden I started to feel down again. So I do have a psychologist yeah. um, yeah. and I, I use them when I need them because I don't mm-hmm. want to go backwards. Yeah. And yeah. actually I used them not too long ago and, it, and I found out, he's like, Justin, you, you just didn't have the love and connection you needed as a kid. And I just yeah. realized that. And I, it opened up a conversation with my parents and it closed, it closed the door for me. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. Uh, one of the things I've learned, uh, I mean, we have, we have Lisa on the weekend who's a psychiatrist. We have Ryan who's a psychologist or a therapist. I have uh, a trauma therapist. And that, now this is where things start to get open up for me. And, I, and maybe it's the same for you, but I, I don't know. Um, a trauma therapist out in uh, Thailand who just, he was just on two days ago now, I guess. Mike from the Yacha Treatment Center. Um, Gabor Mate, who's, who's from Vancouver on the east side there, yeah. if you've ever heard the name. I think he's the, the, the one that said um, all addiction is trauma, right? That, that's where it comes from. One of the really, the most interesting things I've heard about trauma is that it's it happens within you, not to you. So when you're a kid, what as an adult would seem like no big deal, but when you're a kid, everything's relative, right? You know, it's... it's it, if you're scared of dad getting home after work or if you if you think that your sister got more attention than you did, those are enough to start a trauma within you that builds and builds and builds. And if it's 20 years later and you haven't addressed that, that you don't even realize it. But the, those little things, seemingly little things, mm-hmm. can, can turn into a trauma that keeps you, you know, looking for something else and, and in addiction quite often. So I, I've learned a lot about that. And it's so it's the trauma part that that I'll ask you about now. Is it, Was that a part of your journey or was that? Well, I've had I've had things happen to me where I just didn't think anything of it, and yeah. my counselor's like, "Justin, yeah, like it's not a small thing. You should you should talk about it." And I realized is that even though you may think it's small, it's probably not. Right, everything builds up over time. It compounds. It accumulates, and, that's and it. it can lead to a bigger thing. Like I was, I was cut in hockey my my second year at Bantam rep hockey yeah. and. Everyone thought I should be on the team, and I took that personally, and I didn't let it go till I was till about four years ago, five years okay. ago, four and a half years ago when I was in rehab. I was just I was angry and I was mad, and I I held on to that, and it fueled a lot of anger in me. What were you in batch about? About thirteen, something like that. Fourteen, I think. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, right. So at that time, that was a massive deal to you. It, it was a huge I, deal because I had to watch all my best friends play. Yeah, so it's it's as bad as you losing your job now, or you know, and it may be worse at the time, right? Because it's your whole world or, or whatever, right? So yeah, that builds something a, a trauma within you that can, who knows what that grows into, right? So mm-hmm. I, it's, that is really one of the most interesting things that I've learned in the process of the show as we you know we, we talk to more and more professionals in the industry on that. So um, when did you decide to write a book? Well, you know, I always, I always was in the back of my mind, but I have a coach and he's like, I was like, yeah, I'll write it for my five-year sobriety. And he's like, no, you're going to write it now. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> what, he's like, what are you waiting for? I'm like, that's true. I was, that was just me procrastinating. So I, October in this past October, I started to sit down and write, but I always took notes, right? Of stuff I'd want to write about. And, um, I finally just sat down and wrote and it took me October, November, December, January, 
about four months to write it. Okay. And then I had to find an editor. But I took what I learned from rehab, what I've learned from counseling sessions, uh, from what I've learned in personal development through life coaching courses, and I put it into a book and attached my story to it. Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you about something that's pretty important to me. It's a company called dentkits.com. They're an online denture company. And what they've done is they've made getting your smile back a very affordable thing. Their at-home mold kits are super easy to use. Once they have your completed mold set back, they do whatever it is they do there and send you back some serious high quality denture. So whether you're missing one tooth or a whole mouthful, fixing the smile for yourself or that of a loved one who say suffered an addiction and is trying to get that smile back, dentkits.com has an affordable solution. My set should be shipping out in about a week, and when I get them, I'm going to be super excited to make some video episodes of Ashes to Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. Now back to the show. Can you tell us a little bit more detail about the book, or is that I'm going to have to buy it to find out things? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's uh, it just it goes over my life um, before alcohol, during alcohol, after alcohol. Right? Okay. And then it's, okay. it, it's broken up into life during um life after alcohol and then part three is learning lessons okay okay can you give me a freebie yeah <laughs> so uh lessons? in the learning lessons what well, there's there's a couple of things i talk about in learning lessons i talk about self-love yeah. i talk about how to make lasting change um i talk about the human needs from tony mm-hmm. robbins yeah. um yeah. so it's we all do something to fulfill a need Okay. Right. And he talks about the six human needs. There's certainty, uncertainty, variety. There's uh, significance. There's love and connection. Now, those are for human um, human survival, yep. human growth. There's also so then there's growth and connection. That's for human fulfillment. Okay. So we all do something that's going to fulfill a need. And unfortunately, a lot of the time we do something to fulfill a need that will hurt somebody else. Okay. And what he says is that if you find one thing that fulfills a need, four of your needs, that can become an addiction. Okay. And that's what alcohol was doing. It was feeling, fulfilling certainty of like oh, feeling, feeling good, right? Yeah. On yeah. variety, like it would get me out of my house. Yeah. Significance, it would make me funnier and people laugh, would laugh with me, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, it felt like a best friend. It was there to love me, there to connect with me. And when I it and when I yeah, when I got drank or when I got drank <laughs> when I drank, it kind of felt like growth and contribution because I'd like to write. Okay. And I would connect on a deeper level with myself too. So alcohol and drugs did everything for me. It fulfilled no, it fulfilled every yeah. single need of mine. So I just go in the book and I explain the difference between those and just talk about hey. There's different, you can, you can fulfill needs in other ways, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But at the end of every chapter, there's questions to answer. Yeah. And okay. Oh, so it's an interactive thing. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. I kind of wanted to do a little bit of everything. So there's my story, there's lessons, there's yeah. questions. It just, it's to get you thinking. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, and I know we talked before we were recording, it's a, it's sold out at the moment of, of the actual physical copies, but. Where can a person order some for, for when there is more in print? And um, what about a Kindle version in that? Where, where can you find this? Um, it's sold out on Amazon. Okay. But you can still buy them. Yeah. You can still yeah. get hard copy. You can still get Kindle. You can still get paperback on Amazon. It just might take a couple more days. 
But oh, you can okay. also so it's not like a six month queue or something like that. No, right? no, 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 oh, no. Okay, okay, okay. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. It's just I have copies coming, and then it went to number. It went top one hundred really quick, okay. and number one in the suicide category, and actually number two in substance use behind Gabor Mate in between his books. Wow. Wow, yeah, that was. Hey, I got a screenshot of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I know I'm nowhere near Gabor Mate, but <laughs> yeah. I have a screenshot of my book in between. But it was actually the number one hot seller. Not a. It was number two for bestseller on substance use, yep. and okay. it was number one for a hot seller. So okay. that was that was kind of cool. But nice, nice. Um, well, congratulations on that. I mean, that's a that's a milestone unto itself, right? I mean, just being able to say you were in the same room with Gabor Mate, right? Never mind, you know? Yeah, no, that's, like that's that. pretty yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, but you can get cool. it on Indigo and Chapters. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. Um, okay. You can order it off Walmart. Okay. Yeah. And that's Chasing Shadows, Fighting the Monster Within, right? I got yeah. that correct? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, I'll, I'll get you to send me over the links so we can put it in the show notes here, right, for, for the listeners. So um, definitely check that out on there. Well, Justin, that brings us to my favorite part of the show, and that's Daily Gratitudes. Today's Daily Gratitudes are brought to you by the Nate T. Foundation, where their goal is to raise funds to allow individuals to attend trauma therapy and treatment. Learn more at nate-d.ca. What you got for us today? Uh, what am I grateful for? Uh, yeah. Jeez, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for another day in sobriety. Yeah. I am grateful for my kids. I am grateful for my lovely wife who took me back after three oh, years. This is the same one? Yeah. Oh, yay. Okay. Hey, the, the women listeners are going to love to hear that. So, yay for that. Okay. <laughs> we are back together and we have another beautiful baby girl. Ah, oh, so that's so nice. Congratulations on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm just, I'm, man, I'm grateful for everybody that supported me along my journey. Everybody, I'm grateful for everybody that bought my book. I'm grateful for everybody that shared it. That helped me to, you know, it was cool to get to the top 100 on Amazon, to get to a number one bestseller. I'm grateful for all those people that believed in me enough mm-hmm. to share it. But not only that, have supported me along my journey of recovery. And I couldn't, uh, I couldn't have done this without them. I mean, you know what? That's, I probably could have. But would I be <laughs> this far? <laughs> would I be this far? Probably not. Right, no, no, it would have taken me have a to. lot longer. Yeah, I'm a big fan of letting people know that you know, hey, you can do this. Right, mm-hmm. I probably could have done this, but it would have taken a lot longer. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Um, and the final gratitude, as always, goes out to you, the listeners. Whatever you guys, whatever you guys are doing, please keep doing it, liking it, sharing it, commenting. If you're on Spotify, please comment on the individual episode. Let us know what you thought of it. If you're on Apple, please give us a rating. Maybe leave us a review if you could be so kind. Well, you don't even have to be kind. Just leave a review. Please just be honest. Every time you do any of these things, guys, you are getting me a little bit closer to living my best life. And my best life is to make a living spreading the message. The message is this. If you are in active addiction right now, today could be the day. Today could be the day that you start that lifelong journey. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to a family member. Call into detox. Go to a meeting. Do whatever the hell it is you need to do to get that journey started because it is so much better on the other side. And if you are the loved one of somebody who suffers an addiction, you're just taking the time to listen to our conversation. We're both pretty grateful for that. If you could just take one more minute out of your day, text that person. Let them know they are loved. Use the words. You are loved. That little glimmer of hope just might be the thing. 
I'm the monster with a mono to drugs and frustration Created this isolation and up spine selfish Had to cope with some shit that could kill, hit the all switch Had to do a mind shit to get through the time stretch Seems like bad days last and the good days fly quick This monster in my thoughts taunts me till I'm sick Takes over reality, can you feel the insanity? Body shaking like my thoughts are causing allergies Truth and fiction can't seem to tell the difference Anyone out there relate to me? My only one tripping Left wishing I could be the normal one in the room, anxiety got me twitching, feel a monster in the distance, gotta get busy, can't let this shit affect me, when no one left to protect, who's gonna protect me, feels like shit's getting messy, now that the monster's taking over, I think it's the only one that gets me, yeah. Met the monster in my storm Then I let him stay too long Cause he don't wanna leave Till everybody's gone Pushed away the ones that I need It's messed up Cause inside it's not who I wanna be Think one thing and do another React to the emotion that wants me to suffer Sorry if I smother I suffocate my relationship like we undercover Wanna disconnect and run from the suburbs The old me wants to return Wants me to forget what I learned Had no way to turn with all the bridges burned Pain is what I know Hearts hard as stone Feel the shakes in my bones I'm turning cold Look at what I did You had my back from the beginning But I couldn't see it I was blinded by my feelings Selfish I guess me and the monster have a lot of common Look in the mirror See the reflection of the problem Yeah Yeah.